0: You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. In the last episode, we spoke to my current boss for the last few years, Eric Beezer, about whippersnipping or brush cutting or edging, whatever you like to call it. Today we're going to be speaking about mowing, which is the next step in the three-part series on how to mow like a pro. Thanks for coming on again, Eric. When it comes to push mowing a domestic property, we've got a few different options for uh, the mowers we can use. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between a mulcher, a catcher, and a side-throwing mower?
1: Um, yeah, look, we use all of those. What we mostly use is uh, is mulching mowers on the small lawns. You know, some people say that they are mulching, but I think a lot of it depends on the machine because you can put a mulching plug in a catching mower and it's not nearly as good as using a dedicated mulching mower. Um, They just don't cope, you know, cutting more than 10 millimetres of grass off. Um, They just start clogging up and don't cope with it at all. Whereas a dedicated mulching mower um, got a fixed bar blade usually instead of like a swing back two or four blade system. And it does a really good job of chopping that grass up nice and fine, which also helps put some uh, nitrogen and helps that grass grow. As uh, long as it's not too tall and too thick, then you end up with uh, a lot of debris on top of the lawn at the end. The side throwers are fantastic and usually come off our, our vehicles when, when the grass is getting a bit too long and, uh, you know, would would stop the mulching mowers in their tracks. So they'd clear the debris out of the side as quickly and as efficiently as possible to um, get through a difficult job. Um, and the catching mowers... Um, not a bad one to start with, but if you only had one of those, like I said, they, they don't cope with the mulching quite as well, but you've got the, the versatility of some of them can side throw if, you, if they have a shoot on the side or at the back. Um, and then, of course, catching, if, um, which is very handy if you're sometimes close to a pool and that, and that type of thing. But uh, of course, it means that you've got some rubbish to remove if they don't have a garden bin. And some people don't like having the clippings in the bin smelling for a couple of weeks when the garbos come and pick them up. But um, Yeah, it's it's learning when's the best situation to use either of those machines, but it's good to have all of them on board.
0: Yeah, I think my favourite to use is the mulching mower because, um, as you said, as long as you're just cutting less than a third of the height off it, it's feeding the lawn with a bit of nitrogen. You know, that green colour in the leaf is indicating that there's nitrogen there, as well as some other nutrients. You know, you're going to get a broad spectrum and also some of that all-important organic matter in the form of uh, carbon. So that's going to feed the soil microbes as well. But you were right when you said that you need to be a little bit careful if the grass is a bit too long when you're mulching. Can you tell us a little bit more about why that is? I mean, it looks fine, right? We've just mowed it. We've just mulched it. There's green clippings on the lawn, but you can't even see them because they're the same color as the lawn.
1: Once it dries up, then it stops light, stops moisture. It's like putting a tarp over the lawn. It'll, it'll just die off underneath. <clears throat> and then if you come back to mow, you won't have much of a lawn underneath it after a while. It'll, you know, it'll, it'll need repairing or overseeding or Um, so you know a little bit can be tidied up and it copes fine it's not noticeable but um, if you have a lot then you know if it's not a vacant block that you're just slashing to keep the council happy then probably really want to rake it up or catch it cool
0: so look let's say i've got a catching mower but i really need to slash it what's to stop me just strapping that back flap up using a bungee cord so that the bowl doesn't get too clogged up and we can get rid of some of that debris
1: you can, but it's probably not the best method um, with uh, work, work health and safety. But uh, that's where a side throw mower would be a safer option for that because um, you, you're going to have a lot of debris coming out the back. Um, you may be tempted to clear it, you know, if it's starting to clog up and then your hands are getting close to things that they shouldn't be close to. So uh, it's not advised, uh, but you see a lot of people doing it. But um,
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully you don't hit a rock and it uh, gets you in the body or in the face.
1: Yeah, and your, your shins will know about it real quick, <laughs> especially if you're wearing shorts. I heard a story where, um, you know, someone was cutting their own lawn. Um, they took the catcher off and had the flap held up by the other hand, had a little bit of grass just sitting on the bar at the back of the mower, just went to flick it off and lost the first knuckle of their finger. That was never seen again. <laughs> <It's> still missing.
0: <laughs> All right. So we'll come back to health and safety a little bit more towards the end of the episode. But can you tell me a little bit about some of your favorite mower brands? Um, push and ride on or just push mowing? Let's go with push mowers for now, but we'll do ride-ons on another episode.
1: No worries. We currently, the the mulch mowers we're using are a a rover. Some of the models we use are commercial, and sometimes we are using quite a domestic model, um, only because um, it's just been the best fit or the best machine that we've found that uh, that, that mulches. Um, So sometimes you don't have that luxury of saying, you know, we'll buy this model that does the same job, but it's heavier made and last a bit longer but um yeah the rover rover high wheeler mulch mower has been been really good um in the past we were using mtd mulches but they stopped making that one we use uh some mass ports um as a side thrower and uh and also catcher and the hondas are you know always a good machine too so um yeah it's uh just depends you know it's it's worth testing some machines and then you you kind of start liking a certain brand and, and stick to those. And also, you know, being consistent with the brands you use too helps with uh, later on, you might have a machine that's not working, but you can use parts off certain things and also getting familiar with how servicing and keeping them running well.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the Rover mowers that we have. They have a Briggs and Stratton engine on them. They're just the best mowers. I love them so much. They've got a dedicated mulching deck. The bowl's real deep so you can, Sort of fit a lot of grass in there and it doesn't get clogged up as easily. They're light enough for one person to lift them up over a ledge. You can adjust the heights on the front and back axles separately, which you wouldn't think that comes in handy all that often, but sometimes it actually really does. You've got a little side flap there that you can sort of pull it up and then attach a separate side chute on so you can turn it into a bit of a side thrower. I mean it doesn't do quite as good a job at side throwing as a dedicated side thrower but it's still a good option to have if you want to do a little bit of mulching and side throwing in a backyard you can just sort of bring the side thrower attachment around with you and just attach it out the backyard so you don't have to bring two mowers around with you
1: Yeah yeah and if if it's dry and it's it's nice grass those side thrower options um work quite well it's just if things get a bit weedy and and the you know it's not the perfect lawn or it's a bit damp you know then they they clog up pretty quickly but um it's it's a good option to have, especially the homeowner. So, how
0: does uh, moisture affect the cut? Whether you're side throwing, mulching, or catching?
1: Um, look, some jobs we don't do. Um, some jobs we know that you know we can do that job, still get a nice finish on it. Uh, it obviously makes it a longer job to do, longer to clean up. Um, the mowers start to clog up. You need to clean the, the mowers. You know, maybe even a couple of times just on one job, um, and you can then start to get you know inconsistencies in the in the grass cut some bits might fold over and lay down and then you leave and then the owner comes home and a couple of bits are standing up and doesn't look very good Um, so you've got to judge sometimes whether it's worth doing it or not if you think you can do a a good job or if not try to uh, rearrange your schedule
0: yeah right so some lawns you can kind of get away with it some you can't sometimes that wet grass is going to kind of clump together sort of mat together um, and dry uh, together in a bit of a clump, and that's going to be similar to that tarping effect that you were talking about before.
1: Yeah, look, sometimes you can blow that and, uh, and clean it up nicely. If there's too much and you can't, um, sometimes it pays just to do a quick rake-up uh, and then blow afterwards to, to tidy it up. Um, yeah, after doing it for a little while, you, you learn what you should pick up and take away and what you can quickly blow down and have it looking good.
0: Yeah, and because they're sort of clumped together um, in a bit of, like, glue, it's actually going to take even longer to break down. Um, because there's sort of less surface area than if they were all separate. So last episode, we talked about whipping long grass. How do you go about mowing long grass?
1: Sometimes we might do it in several stages and whip a snip first and then mow. But if you just want to try and get away with just mowing, I think putting a mower through it on the highest setting possible and then probably cutting it a couple of times, it stops the mower from struggling too much, uh, which is not good for your engine. And, you know, if you're trying to push it through with the, the final cut height, it's just going to struggle. So I would cut it, even even with the riding machines as well, cut it on travel height or uh, the highest setting and then come through and reduce it down again and then cut it again and you'll find that the machine copes better and you'll get a better result. Um, if it's really long, sometimes the mower even pushes it over and flattens it as you roll over the top and then it stands up a couple of days later. So um, yeah, not an easy task, but start high and then bring it down as you go. Let's say
0: we've got two customers, same property, same lawn, same, basically all the same conditions. The first customer says, I just want it done as cheaply as possible. And the second customer says, I want it done correctly. I don't care what it costs. How do you approach these two different jobs?
1: Um, Look, the cheap one, then the main option is speed, getting through it as quick as you can. You know, you might say, you know, you'd be cutting it really quite high, like uh, 10 centimetres or 15 centimetres high. um, And then leaving the debris there. And, uh, you know, if if they're happy with that, then as long as you explain how it's going to look and, uh, and the situation. Um, and if you want it done as best as you can, you may brush cut first and rake up before you start mowing. Or if you just start mowing, you're cutting it high first. You're probably going to start trying to get rid of that debris before you, you do the next cut. But either way, anything that's long is never going to look great for quite a while. You've lost that greenery out of the lawn, especially, you know, like Kikuyu, like all the greenery is ending up in the taller sections of the grass to get to the sunlight and then it's going to be quite yellow down below. So it probably takes can take a, you know, a month or two to actually green up and look good again if it's warm and it's got the rain as well.
0: Yeah, and that's if you have a really resilient grass like Kaikuyu. I mean, not all grasses are as resilient as Kaikuyu. No,
1: no. If you've just got a fescue lawn or something like that and you let it get that long, a lot of those lawns probably should be oversown with seed maybe once a year, just thick and looking good anyway. Um, so, you know, those cool season grasses don't self repair, whereas a kayak lawn, you know, treat it right and it'll recover and come back and doesn't need feeding as often as a lot of the other lawns. and probably doesn't need as much maintenance. A lot of people think it's uh, invasive and can take over your whole yard, which is true if you haven't looked out the backyard for 12 months. But if you do like a maintained property, that's, I think it's one of the best lawns for our area down here.
0: Yep. I'm a big fan of kayak. I recommend it to everyone in Melbourne. I think it does a lot better down here than a buffalo such as Sir Walter does. Mm,
1: just a little bit too cold down here, I think. It uh, you know, yellows off too much, and I think it needs a lot more help. Regular feeding, definitely, um, but it just goes really dormant and the struggles to come back. You know, and, and it still needs a lot of water if we've got a hot, dry summer. You know, they advertise resilient, doesn't need much looking after, but um, I, think, I think they all do.
0: Yeah. Uh, in Queensland, I just love buffalo Sir Walter. And I also love Blue Cooch. They just do great up there. I think um, Kike maybe sort of goes a little bit silly. I remember a few lawns that we had when I was working in Queensland. They just go absolutely mental. You just can't keep it down. But down south here, I think Kike's just the best. I love it. Looks great. It's always green. Sort of a lot more resilient than the others, as we said. Let's switch it up a little bit now. I want to talk about cylinder mowers. They can be expensive, but what is a cylinder mower and how is it different from your regular push mower?
1: I personally haven't used a motorized cylinder mower, but the cylinder is the blades are kind of uh, twisted into a cylinder motion. And the machine generally runs on rollers as well. Uh, it gives you the ability to cut a lawn very short and is you see them more on uh, bowling greens. And I think in Perth, they're used quite a lot more as well. They've got the, uh, the weather mower for, for your cooch lawns. Um, but yeah, I believe that you can cut something a lot neater and, and shorter with those machines. So your cooch is probably your most ideal lawn. And you see them on golf courses as well, even the big ride-on machines where they've got several cylinder mowers hooked up on the sides and the front of them to do the greens. But you need to cut very often. I think you want to be taking 5 or 10 mil off when you use one of those machines. You go into a longer lawn, they, they wouldn't cope very well. So you are really meticulous, flat manicured lawns.
0: Yeah, right. And footy ovals. Yes, yep you're just going to get those lines in the lawn a bit nicer than you can get with a normal push mower.
1: Yeah, because they're rolling it as well. So it's it's folding, you know, it's giving you a, an angle of the blade as you come back and forth.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're a pretty huge investment. If you think it's worth it, you might want to go for it. But uh, for me, I think the push mowers great. I think they look awesome when you finish and you still can get a bit of the lines in, just not quite as much. I just don't think that for most people who are doing their own push lawns, uh, it's just not going to probably be worth it for them.
1: You can get a cylinder mower that's a 100% push, you know, with no engine, but that's hard work and you'd want to do it every second day in summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, in Melbourne, I don't think most of us are really doing that. No, that's right. So, as I said, you can even get some of those lines in the lawn uh, with a normal push mower. And that depends on how you work your way around a lawn. So, a few different ways you can do that, whether that's spiraling or going back and forth. How do you recommend making your way around a lawn with a pushy?
1: Ideally, if you're by yourself and you've etched the lawn to start with, I would also check for a uh, some of the debris, like I said, do a bit of a blow if you wanted to put some of the leaves under the lawn before you mow it. But generally, I would do one to two laps of the lawn that you're doing, and then start striping by going back and forth. So that way, the two laps get the edges of everything nicely, and gives you enough room to to mow and turn around. Um, and that gives you the nice look. It also depends if that's a nice regular cut. It's something that's easily done. If it's a job that's not done very often, it's not the best way to do it because when you're going back and forth, it means sometimes the grass is kind of cut a couple of times, especially if you're doing a ride-on or side throw, the clippings are coming out and it needs to be done very regularly so that it's easy for the machine to cope with that. If it's getting a little bit longer, I might go around anti-clockwise so that the lawn is coming out the side and you're not cutting it over again after it's been cut. If you did that, it would just keep piling up onto the inside until the machine would end up not coping and and struggling to operate.
0: That's it. As you say, if you're constantly pushing into the middle, you're cutting those blades of grass every single lap. So yeah, maybe just try and use your noggin a little bit and uh, yeah. Mm, mm. Righto, let's talk about the length we should be cutting at. Some people love to absolutely scalp their lawn. All grass types do have their preferences, but what's your recommendations when it comes to the height you should be cutting at?
1: I find that you're nearly getting rid of all the grass, giving more opportunity for weeds to grow in. I believe that if you give the grass a good length, like if you're talking summer grasses, like your buffalo, you know, five centimetres minimum. If you're leaving a decent amount of plant above the ground, I believe you're getting a better established root system as well. And, you know, you kind of shade out some of those weed issues from coming through the lawn. Um, But um, yeah, definitely we, we don't cut any lawns super short. I mean, a lot of the modern machines now don't even cut really short unless you're talking about cylinder mowers. Um, some of the catches still do, but if you buy a mulching mower, you'll find that it doesn't go down to those types that you might have mowed when someone was mowing that, you know, 30, 40 years ago. That was the end thing.
0: Yeah, a bit old-fashioned to be cutting the lawn like that, and I think it looks pretty ugly when you can see all the bumps and humps on the lawn, you know, sort of like uh, if you've got a misshapen head and you just go ahead and shave it. And also, you're training the grass where the leaves don't really get much of a chance and um, the rhizomes are just getting really thick and ugly. You can just see a lot of rhizomes more than you can the leaves. And yeah, it gives the weeds more of a chance to pop up. So they sort of have an advantage over the grass in some circumstances like that.
1: And as soon as the heat comes in, it burns the grass off as well. This hasn't got any backup. There's no moisture. It doesn't make it very tolerant to the heat.
0: No, and it's not very aesthetically pleasing either. How often do you
1: recommend people cut their lawns in Melbourne? We have a a lot of lawns cut probably every two weeks when spring and and summer come into it. If you needed to average, it would probably be three weekly. So, you know, if somebody had a body corporate and they wanted to work out a yearly price, you could probably comfortably say that 17 cuts a year might be the average cut. So some properties might vary from two weeks to three or four weeks. But if I had to pick an average, it'd be two to three weeks.
0: Yeah, like you say, there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for that, is there? I mean, it depends on how much shade you're getting, the grass type, how much moisture it gets, a lot of things like that.
1: Exactly, yep.
0: So, earlier we talked about sometimes you've finished a lawn and then bits are sticking back up after you've looked over it. Sometimes they stick up uh, immediately after you've finished mowing and sometimes they take a little bit of time to stand up um, after you sort of left the property. Um, maybe they're just being pressed down by the wheels and then they'll pop up later. Can you talk a little bit about mohawks and how important it is to check over your work before you leave the property?
1: Mohawks are sometimes, uh, if you maybe don't overlap the mower quite enough, if you're trying to go too close to the edge of your last cut, you know, maybe to save a little bit of time, but then you might not just be cutting every little bit as well as it should be. Or sometimes if it's a bit damp, the wheel can maybe flatten a section before it's cut and then that's why it might stand up later on. But when you're blowing or cleaning up the property at the end of the job, that's the opportunity to have a look over your work. Sometimes you might miss brush cutting around the clothesline or something like that, but it's also to have a look at how the, how the lawn looks, not just blowing the paths and the edges. Um, you go over the lawn in case there's a little clump or two or a couple of leaves you can blow off and just make sure it's looking its best. And, and probably a good idea is not always to pack up all your tools before you blow at the end because you've missed something, still sitting there ready to go. Yep, been there. <laughs>
0: Especially on a big block. Yes, it's devastating when you're sort of sitting there at the ute, fueling up, waiting for your coworker to come back and, you know, join you. And then he comes back with the blower and he says, look, mate, I'm sorry, you need to go back around there because you've missed a big patch. <laughs> so, look, let's say we've had a successful week of mowing. We've done a lot of catch mowing. We've got uh, a lot of, uh, you know, leaf debris and uh, grass clippings that we've caught, taken off our customers' properties. What do we do with all of this waste now? Do we give it to our neighbours? Do we burn it? Do we make a compost pile? What do we do?
1: Uh, we've, um, we've got an account with transfer stations, so a, a recycle tip that separates the, the green waste from the hard waste. So we, we have a trailer that's designed for uh, a lot of our tools and, and also the, the green waste removal. So, you know, we, depending on the gardening jobs as well and the, the mowing jobs, we might be going to the tip a couple of times a week or once a week to get rid of all our green waste. So you need to kind of factor that in in your jobs as well. And that's where mulching saves a bit of time and, and money as well. We'd have to charge more if we were catching all of our lawns. Adds a lot of time and rubbish to the job.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like a good idea like, oh, just make a compost pile. But sometimes it's not quite as simple as that, especially when you're doing a lot of gardening jobs too and all that waste is sort of mixed in together because, um, yeah, you've got some of those branches don't necessarily mulch quite as well unless you cut them up really small and that can be t- quite time-consuming. Mm, mm, that's right. <clears throat> it
1: doesn't take much to, uh, to put a few larger branches and, and twigs into the compost pile and it's sitting there for a year before it starts to even break down. So tell us a little bit about the mower blades. How do we know when they
0: need replacing or sharpening?
1: Um, the most important thing is uh, the, the flutes, especially on a, a mulching or even a catching mower. Um, if they start wearing off, it prevents it from mulching properly or even filling the catcher. Checking the, the sharpness of the blades too, it's probably best to have your mail shop do that. It depends how good you are with the tools in your workshop, but you need to make sure you' you're safe doing that as well if you're using angle grinders or bench grinders but uh look, you can often notice in the cut pretty quickly if you' if you've been doing it for quite a while but uh but blades are pretty important. probably good to have a few you know sets of blades sitting there ready to go, so you can just quickly change them over if you if you need to So a couple of
0: questions come up now. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're talking about when you say the flutes? And how would we go about replacing the mower blades? On a on a push mower? Yeah, just a push
1: mower. Yeah. Um, the flutes are the curve at the back of the blade. It's, it's designed to create velocity into the deck. So that helps filling the catcher and pushing the grass through to the catcher. And if you're side throwing, it's what's propelling the grass out through the side chute. And if you're mulching, sometimes they have a slightly different design blade with a bit of a twist in it. It's designed to kind of, rotate the grass inside the deck and the deck on a mulching mower is often kind of like a donut shape so it can kind of circulate inside and get chopped multiple times so yeah the, the flute if that's starting to wear off it's kind of like having a flat blade and it's good to cut but not to kind of get rid of the grass and if you're not getting rid of the grass be you're going to be clogging up and not operating very well
0: yeah it's a bit gutless without
1: that fanning effect yeah yeah and um changing the blades it's probably best if you're a Lifting up a push mower to maybe take off the lead on the on the spark plug. So if you do rotate the blade or anything, there's no chance of it starting up. But having someone hold the mower or chocking the mower up, and uh, a mulching blade is a little bit easier. You've got one bolt in the centre, which then can change the blade. You can clean underneath there as well and make sure there's no cord lines like we spoke about wrapped up around the uh, the blade section. The catching mower has one bolt often in the centre, and then the whole disc comes off, and then you can work on that on your bench and might have two or four bolts that come off to change the blades that swing. So, that swinging action actually is a bit of a safety thing. So, if you do hit rocks or something, it's not damaging the blade so much. If you hit a rock or something hard with a mulching mower and a straight bar blade, you'll most often bend the blade and you can damage the actual shaft going into the engine as well. So, it's for um, and against for, for both setups. Yeah, great advice.
0: Look, is mowing something that's completely safe or are there a few
1: hazards we need to look out for? Oh, there's definitely plenty of hazards. You have to, um, have to be sensible uh you know first thing not putting your hands near any any moving components um but uh you can do quite a bit of damage in your yard as well if you've got hidden objects in your lawn or you know like we mentioned pipes as well that uh, you might notice or uh, a water meter tap it's often hidden in the grass it's a good idea to check where that is when you get to a property you haven't been to and then just the safety thing as well of you know anything can come outside of the mower and uh, even if you do have the safety flaps and the guards and things on, that's got to be careful because uh, it doesn't prevent every little accident from happening. Yeah, so there are a
0: few sort of guards and things like that. Like, for example, on the catcher mop, there's going to be a back flap. Just keep that back flap down. Don't strap it up. It's just asking for trouble. And when you're using the side thrower, just keep that side throw attachment on so it's throwing out, not up. But let's talk about PPE. What sort of PPE do we need to wear when we are push mowing?
1: Um, still cap boots. Is always recommended. Probably long, heavy cotton pants. Garden gardening like pants with a, a heavy material. Uh, gloves, safety glasses, and uh, and hat, sunscreens. Always a good one to have as well.
0: Yeah. So keep an eye out for those ticks and stones as well, and then uh, watch over your work and make sure what you've done looks good as well.
1: Mm. Well,
0: have you got any other tips and tricks for push mowing that people probably don't know yet?
1: Like all of our tools, I think where you buy it's important as well. You know, there's going to be a point where. Uh, you might need some help or you need a bit of a repair or sometimes at local shops might cost a little bit more, but they give you much better help and support when, uh, when things go wrong and you, you need to get that grass cut before your visitors come over. All
0: right, so that's this episode on push mowing done. Thanks for coming on, Eric. And everybody, stay tuned for the next instalment, which is going to be about cleaning up after you've mown and a few other bits and pieces, such as the different fuels we have to use. There are links in the show notes to the Acre Lawns website and Facebook as well as to a few articles that I've written, including whip, mow, blow and go, how to mow like a pro, start a lawn mowing business, start a lawn mowing business as a teenager and start a lawn mowing business on the side without money.